Well, I was looking to his word this morning in regard to... I get to preach five more minutes because that clock is slow. So <laughs> I got to remember that's slow. Ray read for us Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, the substance of worship. I think this makes it so much easier to worship, doesn't it? When we see the hand of God, even in something as this. Well, when we were in Hamlin, as many of you know, as your missionaries there, came time for us to build our building. And uh, unless you've been on that end of things, you don't know how exciting that can be for a church to be able to build their first building. Some of you remember because you built this one here. But before we even began to dig a hole or nail a board, our builders came and asked us this question. What do you want to do with your building for the ministry? Before we even considered about how many rooms, the biggest size of the auditorium, what do you want to do with your building for the ministry? The form of the building is how it will be used. It's more important that the building be functional for its intended purpose rather than to be stylish and then have a building that doesn't work well. And you've probably been in churches. And if you've ever been to Monongah, they have that problem. <laughs> Their building has just been added on to over the years. They've done a great job, especially the remodeled uh, facility. But sometimes these older buildings, you just keep adding on to them, and it becomes almost a maze to work with and hard to function. Well, churches today have slid into the appearance that looks good, by which is... But, is greatly lacking in its theology and the ministry of the word and, and doing what it's supposed to be doing. As a result, many churches, they are closing their doors. They're not meeting the spiritual needs of the people. It is for this reason that we must look at the substance of worship and see where, and, and this will affect our music. So as we turn to Isaiah, I'm not even there yet. <clears throat> We're going to look at Isaiah the prophet. He was a prophet in the southern kingdom under King Uzziah. He makes that clear in verse, or verse 1 of chapter 6. The nation actually had grown to be somewhat economically sound and militarily sound, but spiritually they were nowhere near where they needed to be. And God was going to bring judgment to bring them to their spiritual knees. And God was bringing Isaiah to warn the people and to preach to people. And I believe the reason is, again, because if there was no one to remind them of why the trials and tests and, and all this was coming on, they would have perhaps never responded in the way that they needed to. And that, we need to understand that, folks. God deliberately allows conflict into our lives. When there is conflict there, we need to go to the Word of God and say, God, why is this conflict here? Is there some issue of sin in my life that I need to deal with? And we take care of that sin issue, the conflict will take care of itself. There are some conflicts that come into our lives that are beyond our control, such as a situation as this. You know, that was beyond those people's control, and yet God was going to use it for His glory. Not just for the individuals that lost their lives, but I believe as a nation. I believe God intended for us to wake up as a nation to see where we are spiritually. Unfortunately, I don't believe we've done well. 
And you remember, and I'm sure your church is no different than any others, on 9-11, for the next six weeks, attendance increased. But it did not take man very long to go back to his old ways. Because nothing was learned. Isaiah the prophet was the one that was preaching. And in order to inspire Isaiah, and again, I was with Josh this morning. <laughs> How can we give God all the glory that he deserves with every fiber of her being? I, I, I wish I could do that. I strive to do that. But God gave Isaiah a vision here. And this vision is for us as well. And we would be wise to spend some time looking at this, and we're going to look at it somewhat this morning, but I mean more at home for you. To sit down and examine this passage and try to envision as best we can the Almighty God. Isaiah saw God's holy character. Now again, Israel was very sinful. And his senses helped magnify God's glory. Now you ladies, have you ever gone to buy a diamond? Or remember the day when you got engaged and, and you went to buy a diamond? Or are you just buying a diamond on your own? And then they go and, and they, they take this black felt or something, they lay it down there, and they lay your diamond on that black. Why are they doing that? Because they want the brilliance of that diamond to be contrasted with something that's black. They don't put it on something white that's going to kind of hide the, the white, the, the glow and the, and the glitter of it. In some respects, and I, I have seen this, and I, I think of a man that I had the privilege of meeting. Um, I had the privilege of speaking in their church, and I invited him to come and share with our church his testimony. This man was one of those wicked, wicked men that was a, a drug addict, a drug pusher, an alcoholic, a biker, rough and gruff, tattoos, his body is tattooed everywhere. And yet God brought this man to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This man is on fire for God like nobody I've ever seen. Why? Because he sees the holiness of God and he saws where he was as a sinner. And he realizes that he's come a long ways. Now we want to compare ourselves to the worst human beings that we can imagine. And there's plenty of them out there to compare to, aren't there? But is that what God instructs us to do? Did God take Isaiah and show him the worst criminal in all of Israel? He took Isaiah and showed God to him in all of his glory. And you and I need to be looking at ourselves in light of who Jesus Christ is and who God is. As we sang this morning, holy, 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 holy. Do we see his holiness? Can we imagine it? Can we fathom it? I don't believe we can completely. But if we look at our sinfulness... And I, I'm sure you're probably not much different than I am. I don't see myself as that great a sinner. Because I want to compare myself to the worst criminal on the face of the earth. What's the, but really, in a, in a sense, what's the, if we were to measure by distance, how much dis distance is there between the worst criminal on the face of the earth and where I'm standing? 
compared to where Christ is at. You get my point? There's really not much difference. If it wasn't for the grace of God, where could you or I be today? Do you know your sin nature well enough to know where, you, where your sin nature could take you? And perhaps has taken you? That helps us see the holiness of God. And we need to see that. God reveals His holiness to Isaiah. He's sitting on a throne. This, no doubt, is the most magnificent throne that you and I can even imagine. And Hollywood does a pretty good job sometimes of making kings look pretty royal and majestic on this planet. But can you imagine, try to imagine, the Lord sitting on a throne in glory, what this must look like. He's high and lifted up, emphasizing his ultimate authority and royalty. We must ask ourselves, is Jesus Christ my ultimate authority and priority in my life? The train of his robe filled the temple. The train was a sign of royalty and emphasizes his power and authority. And if you ever watched the Queen of England and all those ceremonies there and the, the long train that follows her as she goes down the aisle and they have these big royal weddings. Now there's some place where they can really show uh, regalness among humanity, but this is a thousand times more regal because this is Almighty God. And notice the angels as we sang this morning, what they are saying, they're not singing it. They said... Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. There's a song that I find it somewhat annoying because they repeat this phrase over and over, but I get the point. Where I look, I see you. Wherever I look, I see you. They repeat it over and over and it gets kind of monotonous, but the point is, where can you look and not see God? How many of us have places in our lives we can look and we don't see God because all we see is our problem. All we can see is me. We need to refocus and put our eyes on Him. Because as we learn from this story today, was God involved in this event? Absolutely He was. Was it just for this one man? It might appear so because God saved this one man's life. But how many other lives has this man touched in the last 10 years as he shared his story? I don't know if he knows how many individuals have come to know Christ because of his story. But here was a godly man that saw the hand of God and the holiness of God. And he's not ashamed to tell people around the globe, this is what God done and why. Holy, holy, holy. And the house, well, the, the power of the truth shook the foundations. Again, how do you describe that? And then, it talks about the house being filled with smoke. The Shekinah glory. It's been pointed out to me, and I believe it's true, 
The reason the Shekinah glory has to be there is because we cannot, in our sinful condition, see Christ in his complete holiness. We would die. No man has seen God and lived. And so he covers his glory with, with the smoke. But it's a smoke that I'm sure is very unique and very awe-inspiring to let us know that this is no ordinary being. Because I don't want to say he's no ordinary God because there is no other God. There is no other ordinary, there is no other being on the face of the universe anywhere. We need to see God for who he really is. He is more than just a Santa Claus. Many in the world today see him as nothing more than a Santa Claus. He is our creator and he is our redeemer. And I want to challenge all of us, if you're not in a habit of doing this, you need to begin doing it. Every day you need to take time out and focus on some characteristic of God. His holiness, His sovereignty, His omniscience, His omnipotence. There's a whole list of attributes of God. We need to take time and, and be in awe of that characteristic. And we need to take time every day. I myself have gotten in the habit of doing that before I go to sleep at night. As I'm going off to sleep, I thank God for one of His characteristics. And I ask Him to never let me forget who He is. Let's turn to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. We need to be constantly growing in our knowledge of God. And if you would like help with this, all you have to do is ask. I have a list of attributes that I have used. I now use it in counseling with my counselees. If they're going to be willing to be obedient to God, they must see God for who He is. And part of their homework is every day take one verse and write what they learned about God and how that applies to your life. I'd be willing to give you that list if you request it. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. Battery dead? Hosea 4.6. Okay. That's why. <laughs> Did I say Isaiah? Okay. All right. Again, can we study the Bible too much? I mean, we can eat food and get fat, can't we? <laughs> but can we read this too much and get fat on it? I'd like to see us try. <laughs> How much time do we spend in the Word to get to know God? Do we love Him so much that we just got to get to know Him more? Remember those days when you started dating, you couldn't spend enough time together? I hope that's still the same way it is in your marriage. <laughs> I know what it is with us. I, in fact, uh, I forget one day, Brenda made some comment. says, are you enjoying the day? I said, any day with you, dear, is a good day. <laughs> we just don't get enough time to really spend time together. What about our attitude with God? Is it the same way? 
When we wake up in the morning, are we saying, God, another day with you. What are we going to do today? Sometimes that's how I begin my day. Now, sometimes my day is already somewhat scheduled. <laughs> Some of you got to get up, go to work, or go to school. You got a job, you got things to do, doctor's appointment, your day's kind of scheduled out for you. But what if God throws a monkey wrench in that gear, in that, in that schedule? I used to get so frustrated. I remember when I first started pastoring there in Hotzill. I had my day scheduled just, just so, so I got everything done. And how many have ever said there's not enough hours in a day? Right? We've all been there, haven't we? Then the phone would ring. And I'd have to drop what I'm doing and go take care of some matter. And I'd be fussing. But who allowed that phone call? God did. So why am I fussing? If what needs to be done during that day, if I'm not wasting my time, it will get done. If it didn't get done, well, guess what? It didn't need to be done that day. You put it on your schedule and you do it the next day. God is sovereign. He's in control. And we need to learn to focus on all this and His holiness. Revelation chapter 4. Another scene in which God's holiness is seen. Revelation 4.4. 4. And for those of us that have been studying Revelation on Wednesday night, we've seen this before. And again, I try to wrap my head around this scene and to see it for all of its glory and grandeur. I just can't do it. But around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, and the voices of seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes front and back. The four living creature was like a lion, and the second creature was like a calf, the third was like a creature with a head, a face like a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest their night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and is and who is to come. Did these sound familiar? Back in Isaiah's day, he saw the same thing. Might be the exact same angels. Holy, holy, the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. God's holiness is not going to diminish then or now or ever. We need to appreciate God for His holiness. Exodus 15, 11. Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, Fearful in praises, doing wonders. Rhetorical questions. There's no more, no one more wonderful than God. And, and, and God has, has just brought them out of Egypt and showed them mighty wonders. 
And His holiness was, was very evident between the gods of Egypt and the, and the real God, the only God. His holiness is meant to bind us together with Him through His attributes. And a proper view of this will increase our passion and our love for Him. But folks, we have to work at this. I am contentionally boggled by some people who just continually making poor decisions that should know better. They know what the Word of God says. They've been taught better. Or, they, or they've been offered to be taught better. I get so frustrated when there's individuals I know and love that let me help you. And they refuse it. Why? Because they don't want to see the holiness of God. It will put us under conviction. It will bring change in our lives. It will develop a relationship with God that obviously these individuals don't want. So how do we see God today? Do we really see Him in His holiness? Choose to daily begin to examine the holiness of our God. Confession and forgiveness and cleansing took place. And that's where the bottom line comes, isn't it? That's when individuals don't want to know the Word of God. They don't want to see God. Because now I've got to admit that I'm wrong. I don't want to go that far. I don't like this pain, but I don't want to give up what's causing the pain. And Isaiah says, woe is me. I am undone. A man of unclean lips. Do we see just how sinful we are? And he's just talking about unclean lips. Now, we, that doesn't take too much of an imagination, does it? About what an unclean lip is? Cursing? Telling dirty stories? Gossiping? Bouts of anger? But what about this? What about what's not said? Not worshiping the Lord. Not praying when we should. Not giving thanks when we should. Not praising God for who He is. Would that not count to be the same as unclean lips? And how many of us said the right words but with the wrong tone of voice? I strongly suspect that Isaiah was probably a very godly man. And yet, what does, what does Isaiah, Isaiah say? Woe is me for a man of unclean lips. There's no one in this room that doesn't have unclean lips. What's that have to do with music? Well, obviously, music expresses truth. Or does it deliver a style that's wrong to appeal to the lost? Is the emphasis of the music on the words or on the style? Some try to combine both. We need to be very careful about that. But I think at the same time, we can go too far the other way. We can be so conservative that still the emphasis is on the style and not on the message. John Piper wrote these words, or I, and it's, a, it's not a direct quote, but he made this observation. 
the younger generation has a greater emphasis in their music on the character of God than the past generations, even though they might not appreciate the style of music. I do believe he is correct. The younger generation has seen God more about who he is and put an emphasis there. We need a balance of both. The older generation sings sermons to some degree. The younger generation puts more praise towards the Lord. Joe Stoll says this. He's the president of Moody Bible Institute. We must realize that those of us who are unwilling to wrestle with the issues of radically changed society and who assume that the old forms are the best and only forms will soon be presiding over ministries that are passing from the scene with the passing of that last generation that understands those forms. In light of our changing society, reevaluating and reconfiguring forms within a proper theological context without compromising biblical functions may no longer be a preference, but a necessity given to the fact that the thought paradigms and the culture languages of modern Americans have radically changed. Reaching to disciple them demands a clear understanding of the appropriate and effective passageways to their heads and their hearts. As far as Isaiah was concerned, there's also a sense of forgiveness in verses six and seven. When we see God for who he is, we see our sinfulness. We'll be careful about our tongue and how it's used. But out of forgiveness comes true worship. Out of worship comes glorifying God and all that we do. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. and 17. Are you familiar with this passage? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, uh, teaching and, and, and admonishing one another in, another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with a grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are creatures that love music and are designed to do that. And when we sing, it should be the truth. It should be to minister to each other. It should be to teach. It should be in wisdom. But that will not happen if there's not a heart of forgiveness. Because music will then become about ourselves and not about God. The emphasis must always be on God. God's intent for music is to be used to enhance our worship of Him. Our goal is not to make us feel good or to look good, but to focus on Him. And as a result of that, the fruit of the Spirit will continue to flourish within our lives. Godly music will naturally flow from our vision of who God is. It's a choice that we must make. And we realize Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, as we sang about this morning, it will affect what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. But Satan constantly, constantly will be seeking to erode us down a little bit by little bit. That's why we have to be on top of everything spiritually every day, every moment of the day. Proper worship leads to productive ministry. Look at verse 8 of Isaiah. 
And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? He's looking for a volunteer. God had a task that was to be done. Nothing thrills me more as a pastor more than have someone volunteer. And I've read some of these books about our cultures and how they change over the years. And, and, and our cultures today, they don't want a volunteer. They just want to be asked. But God's asking for volunteers. Why? Because he wants you to be enthused and excited about serving the living God. He doesn't want to have to badger us into it. He doesn't want to twist our arm into it. He wants us to step up to the plate and say, I'm glad to do this. Because I love you. Proves my love. But sometimes we don't volunteer because it's not going to be a Sunday school picnic. Serving God is not always going to be easy. Look at verses 11 and 12. Then I said, Lord, how long? <laughs> okay, I'll serve you, God. Just how long is it going to hurt? How long is it going to be hard? I, I can take it for a day. But some of us have gone through some physical, emotional, all kinds of things that have gone on for a long time. It's not easy. When we get into those situations, we need to stop thinking about today and start thinking about eternity. How long can we suffer on this planet compared to eternity? As the Bible says, just a wisp in the air. So even though it may be challenging, and Lord, I can't do this, that's okay to say I can't do this because you're absolutely right, you can't do this. But you can through Him. And you know where you're going to do that. Now look at verse 12. The Lord has removed... Oh, back up to the rest of that verse. Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant. The houses are without a man and the land is utterly destroyed. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? In fact, when I watched that... Uh, I watched part of uh, Iwo Jima yesterday too. They just obliterated that island. There wasn't anything, there wasn't anything green on it when they got done with it. It was totally, completely obliterated. And God says, when Israel is totally, completely obliterated and wiped out, then I'm coming back. Then I'll restore them. Does that sound like fun? Not at all. I fear that's what's going to happen to the United States. He's going to have to obliterate us to bring her to our knees. It's not going to be fun. And the only hope this nation has is you and I being focused on Him and being true to Him. Because we're going to be the only ones that are going to shed that light that's going to give this nation hope. It may not be easy, but we need to say, Lord, I'm willing whatever it takes. Verse 12, the Lord has removed men far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Only God knows what's in store for us personally and as a nation. But if we're not focusing on Him and His holiness, it's going to be a, a challenge that we will not be able to endure. Our worship is what God wants. Well, let's back up a little bit. What are we meditating on? Philippians 4, 8, 9. Talks about those virtues that we need to be thinking about. Now, this is not the world's form of positive thinking, but it is positive thinking, but not the same way. 
Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. When you're thinking negatively, evaluate. Why am I thinking negatively? The situation, no doubt, is negative. But look for Christ in it. Look for God in it. Every negative thing that takes place in our lives has some place where Christ is behind it. Think about it from that perspective. Meditate on it. Verse 9. The things which you learned and received and saw in me, these do. And the God of what? Peace will be with you. We can have peace amid the biggest and deepest trials if we're focusing on Him. It's crucial that we do so. When our worship is what God wants it to be, it will, be, it will dramatically affect our music as we looked at in Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Grace, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I believe when we're focused on the Lord and Him alone, no matter what kind of trials we have in life, I believe there'll be a song in our heart. We can still be lighthearted and still be concerned at the same time. I'm sure many of you have been there. But it takes focusing on Him because He's got to be our focus of our worship. As far as the music... Exactly how we can define one song good and one bad. I believe there's a deliberate reason why God never gave us the musical score in the book of Psalms. Because if we did, somebody would say, that is the only style of music we can ever use. And God's a God of variety, is He not? How many different trees and flowers and grasses and birds and animals and birds and everything are out there? God has a wide variety. And the same thing applies to music. There's a large range of music that we can enjoy. We just must avoid those that identify with Satan and his form of music. But if we're worshiping him and our awe of him is what it ought to be, I believe that will dramatically affect that and we want to avoid that. So in conclusion, do I see God for who he really is? Am I choosing to discover daily who he really is? Can I cannot emphasize enough. Please begin taking time out of your schedule every day. If it's nothing more than going to bed. If you have to put on your nightstand next to your bed a list of attributes so you can pick one of them and be dwelling on that when you go to, go to sleep at night. And think through how awesome is it that God's an omniscient God that knows everything. That could be very comforting when you're going through a difficult time, couldn't it? He's omnipotent. We saw just in this testimony, God's omnipotence. God in his sovereignty, for some reason, allowed this man to survive and another one to die in his place. If nothing more than the fact that he's now sharing his testimony, and Ray has talked with him and said, every time I share this and preach this, somebody's getting saved. Is that not Ray? Ray? They're walking the aisles, come to know Christ. If this event had not taken place, 
this opportunity would not present itself. Our God does things in ways that we can't imagine. We dare not say, God, please consult with me before you bring this problem into my life. We would like that, wouldn't we? It's not ours to say. Ours is, Lord, I'm willing. Whatever it takes to glorify you, to use me while I'm here, thank God for this man's testimony. I trust that will challenge us. Are we going to make the days that we have here important for him? Or are we just going to slough it off and, and coast through life and just be satisfied? And I, I know one person, that they were satisfied. Well, I'm going to get to heaven, but it doesn't matter. I believe it will matter. I'm like this gentleman. I would like to hear my Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I really would like to hear that. I hope that I will do that enough that I'll be able to hear that said of me. But it's my choice. And I have to get myself out of the way and i got to put him preeminent. And we have to volunteer for whatever comes along and realize that God is going to use it. Am I choosing to discover daily who he is? Do I see myself for who I really am? A filthy, dirty, rotten sinner before a holy God. Am I keeping my sin confessed and repentant before him? Music is a God-given tool to be used to enhance my vision of him and my worship. Is the music I'm listening to doing that? If the music we're listening to tends to cause us to think about immoral things and the way Satan wants the world to think, then we need to get away from it. And that could be different from person to person. Let me give you a, a scenario. I know of a pastor that struggled with this in his church because there's a man that was saved and he used to visit the bars where country western music was played constantly. Someone played a country western song in the morning worship service and he was deeply offended. Could we understand why? Definitely so. Most of us wouldn't have any problem with that because it was just a guitar, it wasn't the whole band where there's the, the, the drums and everything. But you could understand where that man was coming from because it brought back all those memories. Now the pastor and those two men had to get together and do a little, little talking to bring it to a place where it wasn't an issue. But most of us here wouldn't have an issue with that. So pretending where we're coming from, our past, there might be some music styles that we might struggle with. Because it brings back all those things, and yet some of us can listen to it and not have an issue with it. That's where we need to be sensitive to each other's needs. Paul was in Romans 14, wasn't he? I could sit down and eat that steak and not have a problem with it. I don't care what it was offered to. I didn't offer it. This guy said, that's the culture I came out of. I can't do that yet. Well, then don't do it. Paul says, don't do it. Music is our same way. If what we're listening to needs to focus our attention on him and him alone. And I encourage you to be careful about the music that you listen to, especially our younger generation. Sometimes they want to listen to the, the rock and roll stuff. Because your friends are and it's appealing, but... In fact, it's amazing. I wish I had a video of it. I saw this years ago when I was a kid. 
convinced me that music does have an effect. They did a scientific experiment. They took these plants and put them in a box with light so they would grow healthy. And then they put a speaker next to one and played rock and roll. They stuck a speaker next to the other and they played classical. Guess what happened to the one that played rock and roll? It literally died. <laughs> it had some kind of effect on the, on the plant and killed it. The other one did well. I know as a dairy farmer. I worked for a dairyman. He had a son. All he wanted to do was play rock and roll while we were milking the cows. Now, probably most of you don't know what it's like to milk a cow. But they want to be relaxed. We, we have to massage their udder a little bit to get them to drop the milk. But you know what happens when they get that rock and roll banging in a barn? They don't want to let their milk down. It's twice as hard to milk them. So we, we told him, Brian, when you're here, you let us play the music we want because we're milking the cows. It's not your job. But he'd come in there and he'd crank that up. And we finally had to tell the boss, keep your son out of the barn or we're getting rid of the radio. You play nice, soft music, they'll relax, and they'll drop their udders and drop the milk, and, you, and it's ten times easier to milk them. But when that stuff is banging around, they don't want to stand still. They, they're just, I don't know if they're dancing with the music or what they're doing, but it didn't work. Music has the same effect on us as human beings, maybe more so. Be selective about what you put in your ears, folks. Make sure it exalts him. And we can't go wrong. It's part of our worship, but we need to see him also. The attribute that we're looking at today is his holiness. Every day, ask God to help you, show you his holiness. It will change you as it did Isaiah. And that's the change that God wants to make with us. It will draw us closer to him in our relationship with him. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for being a holy God. Help us to see your holiness. It's just so beyond our comprehension, but Father, we know it's necessary, and it's our choice to see it. Help us, Father, every day to see your holiness. We know that when we do, it's got to affect us. It's got to affect what we see and how we respond to you and our relationship with you, and it will affect every area of our life, including our music. Help us, Father, to carefully choose what goes in our ears especially music because it has a tremendous impact on us mentally spiritually emotionally physically and so father help us to see your holiness today and every day for the rest of our lives it's in jesus name we pray amen